Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily Fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nass, the student of the game. Weasel Weasel is not with us today. He's going to be headed to Seattle for his brother's wedding. So, hey, congratulations to uh, David and the Whitney Diana Hurley because they're all the way around. But nonetheless, we still have Austin in the studio, our fireman extraordinaire, our community hero, Chris Rankin, aboard. And you know what? There's no problem. We can hold this show down. I'm not worried. Are you worried? No, I'm not worried at all. I mean, look, I understand. One of the things you're going to have to understand, we, we do this uh, show uh, in Florida out of my studio here in my house, which is really kind of a converted room. I mean, it, it, is it so bad having a closet full of football jerseys, though, staring at women, but not staring at you, your back is to them? But I don't know. I think it's appropriate <laughs> to a football environment. <laughs> but the disadvantage to that is right outside the window here, there's a massive thunderstorm or something going on out there. So if you hear some rumblings, um, it's not that we forgot to have dinner before the show. Uh, that would be actual lightning taking place. So there you go. But um, I'll tell you what. We have a better shot here of having a good studio than Tom Brady apparently is a good pitcher. Did, did you see this? The thing with the Brady throwing the, the pitch in the dirt? Um, I'm probably looking it up right now. I mean, <laughs> A reminder to all the folks out there that, that Chris is, in fact, a Giants-slash-Jets fan. And we'll, we'll, we'll let him have two fanhoods because we've been letting Weasel get away with it for years on this show before Chris got here. So uh, there's no way I could – okay, well, actually, I can make fun of both of you. But I don't know. Making fun of a Jets, Jets fan at this point is kind of cruel, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> everyone else does. It's kind of over I don't even yeah. care anymore. <laughs> you get to that point where it's just – just, it, it, I think you've reached that numb stage. You know, <laughs> like you almost look for reasons not to make fun of him anymore. He's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you start seeing commercials with Sally Struthers. This is a Jets fan. And for just 60 cents a day, you can help them find a better quarterback. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> they right commercial. I'm throwing it a lot of money. Yep. 
<laughs> you know, honestly, that sounds like something that would be on Key and Peele or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if that's up there with Aaron Rodgers, but you know, I, I think that's funny stuff. It, it, <laughs> he's looking in effigy at this video. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like analyzing it. I'm, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see like how far in front of the base it hit. So, so it, it hit like a good three or four feet in front of that base, in front of home plate. So it's not so much that he didn't get there, he just shanked it. I mean, it wasn't that he sent bad, but it makes you wonder. I, I don't know. Uh, now, allegedly. And it's outside. And it's outside. <laughs> so it's off and it's short. It didn't even make it to the battery box yet. But it was Wes Welker's <laughs> fault that they lost that Super Bowl to the Giants the second time, right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe it was a few years ago then. <laughs> wow. why he might have made it to the point. Wow. The Tom Brady is getting old, Schmack. He's mm-hmm. fresh after an alleged Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Maybe they took the baseball pieces at the right place in the Oh, <laughs> there we go. I, you know, I'm kind of disappointed I didn't think of that myself. Mm-hmm. That's on me. I, wow. Now, granted, the saving grace is, is, is out on Twitter that um, he, uh, I think it's Pedro Martinez. I don't know. He's a baseball player. But, um, uh, he, he took batting practice really well, which there's all sorts of undertones there. I, I won't, you know, I won't go into it further because this is a family show, but, yeah. Anyways, so there you go. Tom Brady, bad at uh, pitching but good at hitting, whatever. I don't know. More, more pointless to the game of football, this story or the fact that Russell Wilson keeps talking about being a dual-sport athlete. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because, no. I mean, he's also talked about being a point guard behind center. So him thinking in terms of multiple sports, not a new concept. Just throw right. that out there. No, no. Anyway, so now that I've wasted enough time being silly and talking about uh, the defending Super Bowl champs uh, quarterback and all that, um, this one, this is the next story. I mean, granted, it's a number of days old now. It happened shortly after we did our show last week. But um, Troy Palomalu's retirement. Um I, this is, first of all, let's be clear about one thing. Dude was 12 years in, okay? Him retiring, not making me sad. It was time for him to go because I don't think Palomalu could be Palomalu anymore. I mean, it's that simple, right? Yeah, he hasn't been in the last few years. Ever since injuries like three years ago. True. Well, and I mean, Palomalu, as you said, is still far more mobile and able to get everywhere all over the field than a lot of safeties in the league right now. So, I mean, from that alone, in the modern era, when it comes to safeties, I mean, it, once once Lynch and Ed Reed retired, uh, the next quote unquote great safety to retire was going to be Palomaro. I, I think you'll agree with that. Yeah. All right. So, um, let me ask you this question because it's something I heard them talking about in general throughout these sports media airwaves. Uh, Palomaro among great Steeler players. Not just defensive players in general. Like, you know, this would include, like, let's say the Franco Harris's and, and the Stallworths and the Bettises and, and all that. But where do you rank Palomalu all time as a Steeler among Steeler players? You know, I, I think that's tough to me. A lot of people were throwing out top five. A lot of people were throwing out top ten. I don't know. Instinct, where do you land? Yeah, um... I don't. I don't think top ten. You don't think top? 10? No. Maybe, maybe top fifteen. Well, I mean, Harris is top right. 15. 
Right. I mean, um, when you kind of walk through it, right? So I put him ahead of Bradshaw because let's be honest, that dude is circumstance. That dude is Russell Wilson. All right. right. He's yeah. a damn game manager before they invented the term game manager. I'm convinced of this. You, you will not take that away from me. Um, but this includes what? Mean Joe Green, Jack Lambert, uh, Heinz Ward, uh, John Stallworth. I was about to say Dante. That's his son. Right. Uh, Lynn Swan. Uh, just coming off the top of my head, trying to name some names here. Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis him. I would put I would put Paul Lavallo ahead of, of Bettis. Absolutely. I don't think that's close. But um, as I, I mentioned Mizo Green. I think if I didn't, there he is. Um, so I'll put it this way, right? I would put I would put Mizo ahead of him. Um, I would put Franco Harris ahead of him. Not just because of his playing prowess and the four rings, but because the immaculate uh, reception. Is that cheesy? Yeah, but that's still what I'm doing. Deal with it. Uh, um, Lynn Swan, I think, should go ahead of him because that dude made what I still think is the single most amazing catch in NFL history against the Cowboys. Um, I think that was even a Super Bowl with that. That, that one where like, he, he kind of pirouettes and, 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 and spins over the guy and then catches the way. I'll, I'll show you the video later after the show. This it sucks to describe a video because this is a radio show, not TV, right? Uh, I don't know if I put Stallworth ahead of him necessarily. But let, let, let's submit it to this. More important stealer to the franchise, Troy Polamalu or Heinz Ward? Uh, I'd, I'd say Troy Polamalu. You would? Probably, yeah. Because here's where I'm at. Like, Because a lot of people are trying to... First of all, they pose the question, is he the greatest safety of all time? No. Stop it. That can't. No. No. Okay. There's, first of all, Ronnie Lott, I win. Go home. Okay. Yeah. B, John Lynch, I win. Go home. Okay. I think he's better than Ed Reed, but not because Ed Reed is necessarily a worse safety. I think Ed Reed had better supporting cast throughout the life of his career, right? Uh, I, you know, when you look up front, in front of him was always pretty much Ray Lewis and Haloti Nada. Um, and when there wasn't Haloti Nada, there was Tony Saragusa instead. I can live with that. Yeah, I know one's a D-tackle, one's a D-in, whatever. Um, and Terrell Suggs, by the way, in front of him for a good portion of that. Paul Amaro in front of him, sure he had Brett Kiesel, sure he had uh, James Harrison, Larry Foote, James Ferry, Lawrence Timmons, but Ike Taylor on one side as a short, undersized corner, and Ryan Clark, for the years he was there, and Chris Hope as another safety, that was pretty good. Bernard Pollard was there for a good amount of time to assist Ed Reed. I, I don't know. It, it, I feel, I'll put it this way. I feel like Palomalu did more all over the field, whereas Ed Reed is known pretty much to just ball hawk and be a, a threat to stop the long ball from happening. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, I mean, I'll pop quiz you. Ed Reed or Troy Palomalu? See? See? Well, I, they're, they're two different types of players, I think. Exactly. So you, you kind of – they're, they're both – I mean, if you can have both of them on the same team, it's right? Oh, my God, right? Because Troy Palomalu is more of the attacking type, and Ed Reed's more of the ball hockey type. Right, Palomalu would be the strong safety. Right. It's not a question. Oh, my God. Right. I think, 
I, I'm not going to need. I'm not going to be able to stand up for about five minutes. <laughs> so well, I mean, like, you can't really. I mean, Troy Polamalu is more like a you know like a John Lynch more of a strong safety. Yeah, like, he's everywhere. Right, he's everywhere. And and, and I, the reason why I would put Lynch ahead of Polamalu is because he made everyone else better. He made right. a star of Dexter freaking Jackson. Yep. Can we talk about that again real quick? <laughs> I know I brought it up before. That's why I say that. But Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu is a pairing. I, damn. That, I don't know what to do with that. That was pretty awesome. Do you even need a corner at that point? And oh, by the, okay, here we go. Check this out. Here's your pop quiz. This is your fault. This, I, <laughs> more scary as a duo. Troy Palomalu and Ed Reed or... You probably know where he's going to go already. Vince Wilfork and J.J. Watt. <laughs> um, Damn it. I'd I say, <laughs> I say Vince Wilfork and J.J. Watt. I because, do, because J.J. Watt. <laughs> right, but if you have that strong defensive line presence, you can put anyone back there to cover. If you have the strong safety thing, they're going to run a lot, so you need to play the presence. You know, it's... You you can take the safety out of the game. It's kind of hard to take the defensive defensive line out of the game. Well, well, I'll put it this way. I mean, just look at the Super Bowl game. Uh, The 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 Seahawks kind of did that. All they had to do was double team Wilfork. Yeah, same guy, Wilfork in the Super Bowl to take him out of the game. Now, granted, it's a lot better having JJ Watt in support than Rob Ninkovich, for example. Not to say that Rob Ninkovich is a bad player. I think he's slightly overrated, but that's a detail. Not to say that Rob Ninkovich is a bad player, but he's not J.J. Watt, uh, you know. And, and I, like, I like what you said about if you have enough pressure, you don't need a safety. But then again, if you have good coverage, you're going to get more sacks. However, that being said, fundamentally, fundamentally speaking, you are correct. It all starts up front. I agree with you, Vince Wilfork and J.J. Watt, also because J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt and the world's fastest immovable object on one line. I know I said this all last week, but you know what? It's still true, damn it. You can't take that away from me. Uh, let's see. You know what? I'm going to jump around the list a little bit here because um, i got some other stuff that I want to save for when we talk to uh, Josh Zimmer. Hopefully he'll be calling this here at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 o'clock Central um, to talk a little bit of draft schmack with us. But, um, yeah, I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing, first of all, through the press release with the Dolphins, I saw that Greg Jennings visited. Then I saw that Greg Jennings also visited the Jags. Both very intriguing concepts, if you ask me. First of all, I think we'll agree, Greg Jennings not being in Minnesota anymore, good plan. Right. right, he's going to be asked to do way too much with Bridgewater, who's not a bad quarterback per se, but certainly has a few more growing pains left to go. And I think the the, the Vikings are in a better position to acquire other pieces they need with Jennings gone. Right? Do you agree with that? Right. I mean, they already got Mike Wallace as well. Mike Wallace, absolutely. So. Yeah, and I, I, I got to keep forgetting that. So that's interesting. So if Greg Jennings ends up Miami. They essentially traded receivers, but whatever. And Wallace, too, the Vikings makes Jennings um, 
less necessary, I'll put it that way. I don't want to say dead weight because I think he still has some good football left in him. But to you, does Jennings make more of a difference in Jacksonville or in Miami? I think that he'll be, he'll be asked a lot down there in, in Miami, I think. I think in Jacksonville, he'll have a bigger impact, kind of, you say, because, I mean, Miami, he'll be back with Philbin, who's his, you know, offensive coordinator when he's with the Packers. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. So so he can switch the system while he already knows the players and everything like that. Right. But down there, I mean, you got uh, Landry as a receiver and Stills. I mean, they're both kind of young, but they're kind of, well, Jawan Landry has shown that he's got talent. Right. Hills has shown he's got potential. Right. So then, I mean, you got Jennings in the third, but I mean, you put him up there with those other two second year players now with Allen Robinson and uh, Marquis Lee to Greg Jennings as a possession receiver because the other two guys aren't. And then also, you got Julius Thomas up there. That's all I'm saying. I think he has a bigger impact on the Jags team more than he would on the Dolphins. Well, I'll say this. Okay, so if he ends up in. Miami, he's going to get more playing time. Right. I, I think that's clear as day. Um, because, well, foremost, <laughs> the Dolphins don't have a tight end now, so they're going to be running a whole lot of spread, me thinks. Um, but the thing I like most about him in Jacksonville, I'm with you, but for a different reason. Everybody who's got talent out there that's a skilled position player on offense, is youth, except, of course, Mercedes Lewis. I'll give him credit there. He's he's the veteran guy now. But if Jennings comes in, uh, all those guys, not even, Central Shorts III is out. Okay, he's in Houston now. If he were still there, I think he's five years in, he would have been the veteran president. That ain't age. You know, again, other than Mercedes Lewis, the Jags don't have a whole lot of years there. They're not... Long in the tooth, as the kids like to say, right? right? So it seems to me to make sense to have Greg Jennings in place. Then, you know, I mean, what's the stuff What's the stuff you start hearing the people talk about when it comes to receivers during this draft time of year, right? 40 times. Completely overrated, by the way. You and I both know that. Right. You don't hear about shuttles for receivers, but I would argue that that's singularly more important for the next reason, route running, right? I mean, dude. <laughs> Not to draw too much silly parallels, but you've seen me, a fat guy, get open easier than a skinny guy, granted more in our college years, but just because I know how to run a round correctly. And that could be the difference in the NFL. Like when you take steps at a particular time could be the difference between perfect timing or uh, PU timing, so to speak, right? So Jennings going there – Granted, I like the part that you said about Philbin in Miami. That would help his chances to play. That would make him fit in very nicely. I completely forgot about that, too. But I don't know. I think when you have that much youth, somebody has to be learned and, 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 and uh, seasoned, as they say, to make things go right. I mean, Bortles, who, who's an experienced guy that Bortles throwing the football to? Again, not counting Mercedes Lewis. 
it ain't there, right? I mean, no, no, it is. I mean, I think I think Mercedes loses past the time anyway. Oh yeah. This is the game I went to. He had like three drops. Too. He had he had a ton of drops last year. Oh really? Wow. So I I think his, his time's about up. Um, they had another guy. Clay Harvest. Yes. I think he came on strong in the tight end. Agreed. He so, got too, I think. Right. So I, I could see, you know, with Julius Thomas and Clay Harbert and um as their tight ends, I can see them kind of releasing uh Mercedes Lewis. He's kinda of getting up there in age. Yeah, also. He's, so he's playing for about a decade. So I mean his time is coming. So but with Greg with Greg getting there, you can move Marquis Lee into a flat receiver to normal to a more fitting NFL fitting position for him. So I would have Greg Jennings on the outside and have uh, I'd have Marquise Lee in the slot. And can you imagine? So Greg Jennings and Marquise Lee lining up side to side. That's a tall pair of receivers, too. Not for nothing. But I didn't even think about that. The whole uh, size concept. Right. Yeah, or I mean, even Allen Robinson. Oh, yeah. So, right. got some towering dudes up there. Right. So uh, I, I, I thought I said, I think he'd make more of an impact in Jacksonville than he would. In Miami. Is it is it too soon to say, regardless of whether they get Jennings or not, if they got Jennings, obviously it would help. I mean, and the answer to this question is obviously yes, but I'm still going to pose it this way. Is it too soon to say? No, check that. <clears throat> I'll ask it this way because it's always too soon to say because we even have a damn draft yet. Is it a – are you more optimistic today about the Texans staff as a team and their ability to try to surpass the Colts, or are you more optimistic in the Jags' ability to uh, have evolved and improved and get past the Colts? And because let's call it what it is, the, the 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 Colts are still the favorite today, probably. Already, right. if you were going to be, you know, ridiculously premature in, in putting your your um, division predictions out, which, I mean, hey, look, you know the rule. We could talk all the schmack now. It's, what, April 13th, you know, that first Monday before opening day of September is when we lock it in. So we're still five months away. But are you more optimistic today about the Jags or about the Texans? You know, um... Because yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's, you know, it's not a topic. But the Texans have on defense. Jags defense isn't that bad either. But the presence of Wilford and Watt there, they have, they have a good defense there. The only problem is they don't have that well of a receiving core. I mean, you got DeAndre Hopkins. You don't have a quarterback. You have DeAndre so Hopkins and you have special sorts. Of right. Players. That's pretty much it. Yep. So. You still, you still need to get other receivers tight end, quarterback. Jags on offense is young. So if they brought in Greg Jennings on the offense, they can just concentrate on defensive line and offensive line. Really, in the draft and maybe linebackers. And that, that would almost solidify their team. They're young. I mean, their secondary has, I think, average three years. Their <laughs> secondary. It's just like their receiver core, right? Right. So, I mean, they're... Their their secondary is young. They're they're all young together. They've been playing, you know, they game all with you. I thought they played pretty good. Yeah. And they're they're the front, you know, front four, and, you know, you get another defense tackle in there and then fix the linebackers and get some offensive line to 
protect Bortles, I think they have they like in two years I think they're gonna be challenging. This year I don't see it, so I'd maybe say try to hit between the two, I'd say maybe the Texans right now. But two years from now I, I might say the Jags. Just how much how much use they have on that team. The other thing I just thought of is I'm I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, if Jennings went to Miami, he wouldn't be in a position to face uh Vernon Maxwell. Check that, uh Brandon Browner, nor would he face Darrell Revis. But there's still some defensive presence in the AFC East, right? I mean, uh, actually, the best corners in the AFC East are on his team. <laughs> but if you ask me, between uh, with uh, Brent Grimes in play. Um, I mean, yeah, he's still out there for Revis. Revis in the jet. So. Yeah, okay, you're right. But yeah, you're right. I forgot that Revis is in the jet. But Revis will probably cover Landry now. Or still, maybe to so, move him around. Right. But I'll say this: name me a good corner that plays in the AFC South. Go. Okay, he's thinking really hard. Give me a safety. <laughs> okay. Jonathan Cyprian, uh, safety for the Jags. Okay, one more time, a little louder. Jo- Jonathan Cyprian. So, in other words, he'd be playing with the who's the best cover guy in your opinion in that division already too. Right. Now me. I think Jonathan Joseph is a good corner, um, and right. they argue he'd be the best in the division. I'd have to obviously check my yeah. uh, my sources again, but <laughs> today that's where I think that my answer would be if I was hard pressed. And the Jags have a relatively weak right. secondary. Yeah, Vontae Davis with the Colts. With the Colts, actually, you know what? He's, he's pretty good. Probably is. You're right. he, he was he was my pick in that game against the Broncos. You know, yeah. he was my MVP. I thought. You know what, Vontae Davis should be the answer. So, be Vontae Davis. Yeah, we both screwed that up. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, Vontae Davis. I had to take a second. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I, and I, I literally came up with it right now. So, um, Vontae Davis is your best coverage guy. And again, is he going to cover Greg Jennings? No, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> they, they may even move him over to cover Julius Thomas. Who knows? I have no idea. But what I do know is this. Jennings in Jacksonville, that's a good receiver core, period. However, there's not another team in that division that has a defense like the uh, the Texans. That's why this is a tough conversation. But Hoyer or Bortles, still a reasonable question. The jury's still out on both. We've seen both succeed and fail, but... Employer has a longer resume and more skepticism attached to him. I don't know. The South, the South, because it's so, lacking a better word, unpredictable at current, we have no idea what we're going to get talent-wise, makes it a bit more intriguing. But anyways, there you go. All that, all, all that for Greg Jennings visiting two teams. This is what happens in off-season football. You just take a topic and then you got to love it. But, um... The, you know, another piece another piece I wanted to dance with, and we've kind of talked about this before. Um, the Patriots have lost their corners. The Patriots have lost the world's fastest immovable object. And, yeah. Is, is there any reason? They're not going to repeat. I, I think I could say that. Say, no, no, I don't think they will. No. I'm just making sure. Because, I mean, if you, if you look at it, it was the 2002, 2003, when they went back-to-back. Mm-hmm. 
Um, what they had was three, three and four. I got a three and four. Whatever. They're three back to back, and then they skipped a year and had another one. Right. What they had there was Henry Human Core. Un- underrated Human Core. I mean, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, what, Troy Brown. Troy um, Brown, Dion Brand. Right. Those guys made names for themselves up there. And but, good games as well. I mean, people forget Corey Dillon, Kevin Fault. Those were solid games right. as well. But they also had Ty Law, it's not the same deal, at <laughs> cornerback. Well, yeah, still was still Wilford Will there then, too? Wilford, Willingham. Right. Uh, uh, not, not Willingham, I'm sorry. Wilford, uh, Ty Warner, um, Richard Seymour. Excellent front there. Brewski, uh, Roosevelt Colvin, uh, Willie McGinnis, right. Mike Rabel. Excellent front there. Defensive line and linebacker. Hell, Rabel's more famous for catching touchdowns in the Super Bowl than he is playing linebacker. But, oh, by the way, happened to play a good linebacker as well. Right. You know. But then they also had Ty Law and it's not the same old corner. By the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't they're, know if they happened they're, at the same time. Oh, no, they did happen at the same time. Okay, well, damn it. And then on top of that, somewhere in there, Lawyer Malloy and or Rodney Harris. Right. But it so, was Brady that did it. Right. So, so they, had, they had a defense. When they lost to the Giants in 2007 and in 2012. Uh, what, what happened now? When, the Giants, when they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. 2007. 2012. Was it so? No, it wasn't 2012. That's the Niners and the Raiders. Right, 11, 10, whatever it was. <laughs> you know, I think it's uh, 2007 to 2009, I think. Because 2010 was the same. Chris is going to look at right. it. But anyway, during that, what they didn't have, they didn't have corners. No, they didn't. So what, they, what they have this year, when they won it, they had corners. That's what I'm the saying. Best, the best pair of corners right. they had in at least a decade. Right. So written in it, the matchup meeting. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. They had, they had corners when they won it. Ten years ago, they had corners this time when they lost to the Giants. They didn't have any corners. Yeah, and and they did not have, other than Wilford, have the presence up front. Don't, don't be trying to sell me Rob Ninkovich compared yeah, to Chandler Jones. They got talking about Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones, and every time they kept selling him, he was out of position. <laughs> anyway, you know we got we got we got Josh Simmer in here waiting on the line. We'll get the draft questions to him, but first. We have some very important messages that need to go out here, so hang out. We'll be right back very shortly after this break here on the Students Game here on NGSC Sports. Uh, yeah, CM60. The wait is finally over. Baseball season is here at last, and the excitement continues all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash, instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to claim victory when you can win huge cash every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand new season every time you play. Just select two pitchers and eight position players, stay under the salary cap, and you could be on your way to an enormous payday. Last year, Peter from Colorado won a million bucks at DraftKings in one day, just playing fantasy baseball. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code SPREAKER to play for free. You can win part of $300 million in prizes being awarded this season. Use promo code SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. You know, I got to go this way with the I'm the man thing. Because, well, 
I don't know. When it comes to when it comes to the draft, we're gonna have Josh Zimmer in here in a minute. And as far as NGSC Sports is concerned, he's a man when it comes to the draft. But before we get in, in, in here, Chris, the Super Bowls, if you please. Yeah, it was um for the Patriots, the ones they won originally was two thousand it was in two thousand two, but it was a two thousand one season. Okay. And then so it'd be two thousand four, two thousand five, which is the two thousand three, two thousand four season. The one what did I say? Three and four? Yeah, we just three and four. You're right. Boo. <laughs> Not really. So, but then when they lost, it was 2007, but the, the Super Bowl was in 2008. So right. 2007 season, and then also it was the 2011 season. So 2012. Ah, so. damn it. It was. Okay, so it was 2011. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So 2012 didn't sound right. right. Well, I was on the Super Bowl in 2012. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, I, that, you know, that's not the first time that's thrown me off, I'll be honest. It's because, because the mortal coil. So, anyways... Let's go ahead and bring the man in, the guy who is not only the esteemed host of the NGSC Sports Weekly, but also the, the, the man in the mind, one of the man in minds, I should say, behind the Draft Central site on NGSCSports.com. If you don't know it, you better ask somebody. It's just drenched in draft awesome. And no, not just beer, although beer is awesome too. But a man who is just as awesome as beer Mr. Josh Zimmer. Josh, what is going on, my man? Hey, not a whole lot. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, actually just had a come toward me, so I figured I'd share that now before we get into it. Uh, one of the guys who we profile on our website for our draft journey series, and a good friend of mine, Alex Singleton, a linebacker for Montana State, just got a call from the Cincinnati Bengals, and he will be flying out Thursday, and he will be one of two prospects they're flying out for a private workout. So, uh, other than that, I can say that I'm doing I'm doing pretty damn fantastic because uh, that was great news. It's been news that I've been waiting on for the last probably two weeks uh, since his pro day, and so I'm I'm on cloud nine right now. I'm I'm extremely uh, happy for him. And with that being said, I'm ready to try, uh, talk some draft stuff. Um, well, first of all, quickly, quickly, Josh, have you ever received a better compliment than being told you're as good as, if not better, than beer? You know, <laughs> you know I haven't. Uh, I, I will say this. I, I did listen to the intro. Uh, along with our draft stuff, a lot of beer is consumed while <laughs> doing the draft stuff because I tell you what, you, you, need, fuel. you need fuel in order to, to stay up and do what we do. And uh, there's, I'm not plugging a promo or anything like that because uh, any of them is, is a preference to me uh, being a being a young college kid but uh, a good amount is, is is taken in during the week doing our draft stuff and uh, to be honest I'm going to give it a little bit of a prop that might be why it's so good I don't know uh, but that might be that might be a good preference start for that hey you know what that's what got the, the Beatles good with their songs allegedly was Juggies so why can't be a make your, make your draft picks awesome? And, I mean, by the way, for those of you who don't know, find out now here, this is going to be one of the guys that will be on the first ever NGSC Sports mock draft that I will be hosting on Thursday, but I will be a host alone, okay? I get to be Nick Fury, and I'm going to be Nick Fury. If I'm under attack, the constant weapons that come out of my car, like in the second Captain America movie, are what you're going to see, and just one of them, of course. Mr. Josh Zimmer, but enough of this love fest, bro. I saw your mock. I saw Montel Hardy's mock. Both excellent work. Of course, I'm not talking smack on your work, but there is something 
I have to point out about your mock draft uh, uh, 4.0 that you released. I believe you released it, to, released it today, matter of fact. Yeah, um, yeah this morning. Yeah, awesome. So uh, here's my thing. And granted, I'm just a student of the game. But you, you stated it yourself that April is the month of lies for the draft. And I don't see how you could believe the lie that the Titans are all about one Zach Mettenberger. Chris is, Chris is drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. I, I don't see it. Why, why, why would they dodge Mariota in what I think is just they have to have a quarterback kind of situation? What, what am I missing? Educate me, my man. Well, well the biggest thing, and uh, you, you know, uh, as much as I've been mocking Winston to, to number one for the last, I'd say, uh, last three that we've released, I'm falling more and more in love with the fact that I don't think it could happen. But since I released it, we'll go off of that. With Winston going one and Mariota sliding for, in my mock, I, number two, to be honest right now, Tennessee is going to be a match made in heaven uh, for any team that wants to trade up because they have a guy in Mettenberger who, like you said, not a whole lot of people are drinking the Kool-Aid yet, but the, the, the people who matter and who are making the calls are drinking that Kool-Aid, and that's the guys in the office uh, within the Titans organization that have said, you know what, we could potentially move on with this kid and at least prove him. Uh, that's the one thing. With them taking him in the third or, third or fourth round last year, I can't believe which round it was, they have to at least show that, you know what, we didn't draft this kid just because he was the best guy on our board. We had to have seen something in him. So they – they have to at least give him a year to prove himself as a full-time starter to say, hey, you know what, this guy can do it. Um, and, and realistically, too, I don't really think Marcus Mariota fits Ken Wisenhunt's mold of a quarterback. You, you look at some of the QBs that he's worked with, uh, and the reason why I think Mettenberger would be a, a, an okay fit, at least until you can wait in 2016 if you have to take a QB if you're Tennessee, he's big. He, he takes a while, you know, he, he's not. A, he's kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger. I've heard a lot of comparisons to Ben Roethlisberger, and so, hell, why not? I'll use that. He is kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger. He's big, has an arm. Uh, I mean, the, the dude has a cannon. Uh, so he can stand back there. He can make any NFL throw you want. The knee injuries are a little bit, uh, those are kind of a red flag. Those are something that makes you question why I have them not taking a quarterback. But, the reason why I have them taking Leonard Williams is because, again, like I said, they need to prove to Mettenberger that, hey, uh, you need to prove to us that you're the guy or not. We got you a year to do it, and that's it. And yeah. when you add a guy like Leonard Williams to that, that that defense has basically kind of become a little revamped. They let Derek Morgan go, who is a, a very uh, underwhelmed uh, player, you can say the least, when he was in Tennessee. Some injuries, just the fact that he wasn't very productive. But yeah. then they basically replaced that with Brian Arafpo. Now, the, the one thing that Tennessee has, and they've had it for a while, is they've had a pretty darn good front four, uh, but particularly the two inside defensive tackles. The way they've been able to move them around have been pretty solid. Now, the only star they have is Jarrell Casey. You get a guy like Leonard Williams, you're basically getting a type of uh, kind of like how baseball uses the five tools to, to, to grade a prospect. He is kind of a five-tool defensive lineman in that aspect. 
you could play him as a nose in, in three, four situations, uh, pass, you know, nickel or dime type situations, bring him in. He can be a nose rusher. If you feel comfortable with it, he has the athleticism and he has the agility, the lateral agility to be a five shade, but he also is very dominant and has showed his dominance while at USC as a three technique. And anytime you can pair former teammates together, you know chemistry is going to rub off. And the fact that Jarrell Casey comes from USC makes it an enticing pick. Now, what I will stamp on it is that I do think Tennessee is throwing up a lot of smoke screens right now just to entice the teams that want to trade up to get Marcus Mariota. Now, if Winston falls, it's a completely different scenario. But, again, we'll go off of what I did. If Mariota's on the board at two, Tennessee is going to be getting a lot of phone calls, and they could eventually, eventually make out as the winner of the draft in terms of a trade because in order for a team to jump up, say, the Cleveland Browns, or even maybe a team like the Jets who just want to move up four spots to get a guy because uh, they're afraid that maybe Washington might take them. You know there's going to be extra baggage in terms of picks that come with that. Tennessee can, can definitely sit on that and be like, yeah, you know what, we have a lot of holes in our roster. Let's take it. Let's let them get their guy if they really believe in him, and we can go from there. So that's kind of what I've seen. Uh, now, I know we released these two weeks apart, so it's kind of weird to see some of my difference, but – I'm telling you, if I were to release one next week, it would change again, and I'd probably have Mariota going too. Um, Tennessee is such is such a hard team to mock right now because there's so many different variables that are playing in, and if anybody's ever done a mock draft, uh, you know that you just cannot mock a trade. It's one in a million chance you're going to get it right. Yeah, no, that would be tough. I think about the only uh, rock, uh, rock, the only mock in recent form that you would have been able to predict what would be the skins jumping up um, to get uh, RG3 to put themselves in position to be whiffing for Griffin, as I put it, in that year. And, and you know, well, I, and maybe you could put some insight on this, because I know it's, it's one of my favorite guys to mock, your pardon expression, is Mike Mayock. And to suddenly decide at this point in time, two weeks until the draft, it's not like they've had a pro day, per se. It's not like they've had, I, I don't know, any other kind of workouts or anything else that will really move you. At this point, changing from Mariota to Jameis in your quarterback rating, in my opinion, is kind of silly. I mean, what could you possibly see leading up to the draft, uh, what is it, two weeks before-ish, that could change your mind that vastly to switch your one and two? It's exactly, it's exactly how you said it, man. It's silly. Uh, now, I respect Mike Mayock. I mean, the guy's been doing his job for a long time, but you got to understand the position where he's in now. It doesn't matter what he says. To, to be truly honest, uh, it really doesn't matter what he says because there's people out there who are going to eat it up. So yeah. why not make in what's the biggest thing the NFL's turned into is it's turned into a money machine. Well, how are they going to be able to keep a money machine if everybody's on the same page for their TV shows that they decide to create every year and they have a new one coming out, it seems like? Well, they throw a guy in and say, hey, let's do it. You guys need to figure out what you're going to do. And so I, I truly think that he does it just to create debate and controversy for the shows because if you've kind of watched him before, 
you'll see that its boards change. And then once the once the draft truly rolls around, like on a Wednesday or even maybe that, that afternoon, you'll notice that, you know, they'll have the best available. His best available does not even come close to what he had as his original big board. Uh-oh. Controversy. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, his, his initial big board is pretty damn good, to be honest. It's very on. Uh, not a whole lot of controversy in terms of where they could see guys. And guys that might have controversial selections or placements are also being controversial in everybody else's. But over the time, he moves people up and down, and it creates nothing but debate. Because I'm telling you now, when the draft rolls around, his big board, his position rankings are going to change to where it doesn't make him look like he's an idiot when he's on TV. And now I'm not saying that as a, as a stab at him. I'm just saying that as true facts. That's just how he's been for the last two or three years since I've had enough time to cover it and really watch the draft. Okay. Well, I and mean, that makes sense. I mean, if, if, I like what you're saying as far as that, and who knows. I, we'll, we'll just say, I'll just say this, and you don't have to link yourself to it. He's essentially the guy that put, throws in more, multiple brackets into the March Madness and then wants to tell us how awesome he is when one of his brackets does good. I don't even, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, what do you have for Josh Zimmer? Oh, um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the Oakland, the Oakland pick with the Kevin White receiver for there instead of Amari Cooper. No, uh, Kevin White. Uh, this is where I'm actually been catching the most flack, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> my 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 top five is I'm actually. I actually just released my new top five, and you will not believe how hammered I've gotten on Twitter because of it. Uh, I have Amari Cooper as my number one. Uh, that's flat out. You you want a guy who, for me, if I'm going to take a receiver, especially in the top five, which we know Oakland's going to be a, the first landing spot for him unless the Jags do something stupid, which I wouldn't put it past them because they've done it before. We just have to look back when they drafted Blake Bortles last year at number three overall. But, I mean, but anyway, you know. You've got to be a little careful with that, Chief. <laughs> but when you, when you, when you want to take a receiver, you, you want a guy who has really no questions. And with me, Amari Cooper doesn't have any questions. The moment he stepped in to Tuscaloosa, He's been a dude. I mean, 70 receptions, 70-plus receptions, 80-plus receptions. As a junior, 120-plus receptions. Kevin White, nobody knew who the hell Kevin White was until five games into the season this year. Last year, he came in his first year at West Virginia. He was a junior, junior uh, junior college transfer, had 50-some catches. But didn't have a different quarterback. Clint Turkett was still a quarterback. Didn't have any receivers that all starred him because they were all sophomores and juniors as well. They came back. Then all of a sudden as a senior has that 120 some catch season and would basically just look like a man among dudes in the, in the, in the big 12. That to me is a little bit of a red flag. Uh, mm. I, I want a little bit of, I want a guy who's been consistent year in and year out. And that's why I have Jalen strong as my number three. And this is where I've been getting hammered is People are like, oh, well, he, he's not this, he's not that. Well, you watch his tape. When you've got a guy who's 6'4", 220 pounds, runs a 4'4", 6", 
uh, why, where do you not see Calvin Johnson out of that? And if you really watch his tape, yeah, he might not release at the line of scrimmage, but you want to know who else didn't release very well at the line of scrimmage in college? Calvin Johnson. But you want a guy who can you can throw the ball to in the end zone, and you know the only guy who's going to come down with it is either him or it's going to be thrown out of the back of the end zone? <laughs> Jalen Strong. Uh, this guy has, in my opinion, uh, now I think Amari Cooper's the best. I think Jalen Strong has the opportunity to be the best out of this entire class, um, say, three, four years down the road. It all depends on what situation he goes to. And with him being a little bit lower on people's boards, he could fall into a great position, say maybe, you know, I have him going 16. Uh, I have him going 16 to the Houston Texans. Now he could fall even more. He goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, that's even better. you got a quarterback in Alex Smith. They just added Jeremy Macklin, so you know they have a proven receiver since the receiver couldn't catch a cold last year. He had a long touchdown pass. Uh, They had to to depend on a – on a tight end to catch their touchdowns last year, uh, that tells you something. So you know it's going to be completely different there this year. Um, so the receiver, the receiver class, I've figured out to be next to the running backs, probably the, the hardest to really kind of pinpoint where guys can go. Um, with the edge class, you kind of see, um, especially for me, you know, having a defensive line background, uh, that's where I feel the most comfortable. And I know kind of where I'm. I, I I stand with some of the guys, but receivers just receivers probably the, the toughest position in this class next to next to running back because anything can happen. Uh, anybody sees a player differently, um, and it's so deep. I mean, I don't think receiver or running back has been this deep in quite some time in terms of talent. Um, we have guys who normally could be, say, maybe five ten years ago first-round picks, and now they could be anywhere between the second and third round. And that's not necessarily saying because the role of running backs has changed in the NFL. But with this year's class with Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley and the fact that the receiver class is so deep within the top five or even the top six, and then there's a little bit of a drop, people are going to be more worried about taking their edge player or, or taking a receiver more so when they take a running back. So those two classes are easily the deepest uh, – within this year's crop of prospects. Well, I mean, hey, look, Josh, not for nothing. That was a hell of an answer. But I feel like I could have given a shorter one to answer Chris's initial question. Because he <laughs> has a low 40 time, and it's the Raiders. This is the team that took Darius Haywood Bay against Michael Crabtree. Boom, case closed. If you want to borrow that because it fits into 140 characters on Twitter for all your haters, go ahead and roll with it. I'm still... <laughs> No, no, I like the point you made, though, about the receiver class versus the running back class. It's just the depth difference aside from the position, uh, uh, I should say, the position focus of the running back diminishing, quote, as it has. Personally, I think that depends on the coach. But um, so, And I know in your mock, going back to Mariota real quick, and I just want this to be a shorter one before we get into one more uh, deep talk topic here. I've seen a mock, and I'm not going to mention the person's name because – the person who had this on their mock is, is one of these cats that's out there just to bring more money into the money machine. But someone's going to try to tell me that Marcus Mariota is going to fall 17 picks to the Chargers. Um, am I wrong to just be righteously insulted that that person is getting paid to put that on a mock draft, or is there something to that? Well, I mean, uh, I, 
I, I really would love to talk to this guy to see where he kind of played this in his mind because I'm looking at it now. I mean, you got teams. I mean, St. Louis. Yeah, they got Nick Foles, but he's proven he's injury prone. Why not take a guy? Why not take Mariota? He, he's just, I mean, he, Steve, or, you know, Jeff Fisher took Vince Young for crying out loud. In in terms <laughs> of a quarterback, Mariota is far along, more far along than than what Vince Young was. Vince Young was just an athlete, but Mariota is actually a, a proven quarterback. Uh, People dog him for not being able to read defenses, but he can. Uh, you, you look at the Chicago Bears. I think if uh, you know if the Bears, if for some reason Mark, you know, say say I swap in my mock, say the Jets take Amari Cooper and really load up their talent for Geno Smith to make him kind of prove to the staff that he is the guy. I think the Bears could be a good fit there. Learn behind Jay Cutler for a year. And who knows, with how bad and how off and on Jay Cutler is, he could potentially even go in and say week six or week seven or maybe even after the bye. Hmm. I'm not buying the whole smokescreen thing about the Cleveland Browns. I think that's, a, you know, a bag of something else. Uh, I'm not believing it. I'm not buying it. There's a reason why they took uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah, unfortunately, he's kind of brought a black eye to the organization with him having to go to rehab and all of this. But you know what? That's just the that's just the luck of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but they're going to work with them. I mean, I think that you can't throw them away after one year. You you have to at least give him a year to prove himself. And when he only had three games to prove himself, that's not enough. But then you look at the Houston Texans. Houston Texans at 16. You can't say Ryan Mallett's the guy. Yeah, they did get a quarterback uh, with uh, Brian Hoyer signing there, but that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, there's a reason why Hoyer had a great year, and they still drafted Johnny Manziel. So. I mean, there's that. Um, yeah. because, so I don't see it. I think the only way he goes to San Diego is if San Diego trades up. Yeah. But it's going to be whoever can offer the most, you know, offer the most money for them or, or the most picks. Yeah, I, I like how you put that. And, and, you know, not for nothing, I always feel good when I say something that matches a credible draft analyst. And I said myself that I don't see Man, uh, Manziel. I don't see Mariota falling past the Rams. It's just not going to happen. I, uh, of course, barring a trade to change everything up. I just, you know, I said that last week. I stick with it now, especially now that Josh Zimmer has said it himself. Right. I even said that, I even said that after, like, even seven, he's still available. The Eagles are going to do an eight. Kind of trade, well. trade up, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't think that's a bad move necessarily. If you're the Bears, you know, trading around, who knows? Maybe you can get some sort of a weapon out of it, if not just picks. I, yeah. yeah, I can't remember that. I don't know. But, uh, Chris, you had something else? Yeah, um, yeah, you were talking about the running backs with the top five, also with their running uh, with wide receivers. He put two running backs in the top in the first round, which I agree with. But who else follows like your next three? So you're asking if I have two in, in my first round, or, or why I see two in my first round? No, no, I agree with you with your two. I'm just, I'm just thinking who your top five running backs in the draft right now. Oh, oh my. Oh, my top five. Uh, well, obviously, uh, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. I have Melvin Gordon rated higher, number one, because he's healthy, but he's he's also a little more of a patient runner. He comes from a true offense, you know, in Wisconsin's uh, West Coast mm-hmm. type of offense. So he's a little bit more patient, but Todd Gurley probably has the higher ceiling than all of them. Uh, I really like J.J. from Boise State. I think this is a guy who 
kind of could be like a Doug Martin, but a little bit more valuable in terms of he doesn't really – he has a little bit of a fumbling issue, um, but that easily can be fixed. You can ask Tiki Barber that. Um, I believe a year he led the league in fumbles. The next year he only had one. Um, and then, you know, for my fourth and fifth, it kind of swaps. Um, I really liked Amir Abdullah. Now, smaller running backs, especially with his size, are kind of starting to become a little favorable, but in terms of being a feature back, they're not. Um, that's why the Vikings kind of have McKinnon as their, you know, spark plug type guy, you know, Darren Sproles and some of these other types of running backs, so the Denard Robinsons of the world. But uh, I really like what he has to bring to the table. He, he's a running back through and through. Nebraska, yeah, they run a little bit of the gun, but they also do run, you know, some under center. And and anytime you get a running back who's used to running under center, it's really good. And then, uh, you know, Tevin Coleman's also another type of running back that can be out there. Um, I kind of see him like the LaShawn McCoy type guy. Uh, comes from Indiana, which is an offense that had a very poor offensive line, but it's, it's a poor football team in general in the Big Ten, uh, as bad as that hurts me to say, being, a, you know, kind of a fan of the Big Ten. Mm. But, uh, you know, he's a, he's a guy that can kind of, do it all. He can catch. He can receive. Uh, he could be a kick returner type guy. Duke Johnson is my five, um, and he's just again the, the one thing about Miami running backs is you you never miss on a Miami running back. That's yeah. I mean it, it's really dude, the last guy that they really missed on was Jared Payton, but he wasn't really even that good in college. And now I'm kind of dating myself because I think I was in middle school when he played in college still, but. You can go back and look at all of the backs that have been around. Frank Gore, Willis McGahee, Clinton Portis. The yep. list basically just goes, you know, Lamar Miller most recently. list can go on and on and on. I want to get one um, question in with you uh, with Chris before we wrap up. So, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, um, like I was saying, with the running back, where did you put T.J. Yeldon? T.J. Yeldon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, we we got about three minutes left, so keep that yeah. in mind. Yeah, yeah. T.J. Yeldon's my ninth. Uh, I don't like his size. But, I mean, his size is is kind of uh, scary, and the fact that uh, he, he kind of had his job taken away from him uh, by Derrick Henry because he played so damn well down the stretch that Yeldon kind of disappeared. He's going to be a lightning type guy. Third, you know, I have him in the third round. He's going to be a special teams there to start out, and then potentially could become a a consistent third down back. Yeah. Okay. Well, Chris was a little shocked to hear ninth, but I like the description yeah. of the uh, of the skill set. Who knows? Maybe he'll end up in the Chip Kelly offense one day or something like that. Or who knows? Right? That makes sense. I could be wrong. What do I know? But uh, Josh, man, before you go, make sure you tell all the people where they can find you and and ask you whatever questions they can. Leading, of course, up to Thursday night's NGSC's mock draft. Uh, at 8.30 Eastern, by the way, if you want to check that out on the website. Of course, you can also check that out afterward on Spreaker and our various other listening outlets. But, Josh, tell the people where they can find you, my man. Yeah, so you can, you can find me on Twitter at jzimmer underscore 50 or, uh, NFL. And then also you can find all of my work and the work of many other hardworking people that we have on our team at NGSCSports.com. And, again, he's plugged it time and time again since I've been on the call, so hell. You guys might as well tune in because it's going to be a great show. Uh, we've been cranking on this thing for the last four and a half weeks, getting all the plans rolled out, and we're telling you right now uh, we're going to kill it. So make sure you guys tune in and listen to all of us 
basically give you our insight that we've been doing for the last three months. I'm digging, Josh. Hey, man, like I said, it's going to be fun being Nick Fury watching the Avengers do their thing on that night. Um, if you hear any crunching in the background, that'll be chewing, be me chewing on my popcorn, so don't be insulted, all right, brother? <laughs> <laughs> hey, not at all. Hey, might as well have your popcorn and pop next to you because, like I said, we're going to put on a show. Wow, there you go. Josh Zimmer, thanks very much, brother. Hey, thank you guys very much. You guys have a good rest of your evening. See, that, that's definitely how you know how he's a Minnesota. Oh, wait, popcorn and pop. For those of you that live in the South, that's soda, just for the record. Anyway, that'll do it for us here on the Student of the Game as well. Um, Weasel, uh, we miss you. We hope you have a good time and a pleasant flight up to Seattle. Uh, we'll see you next week when we talk about the NFL needs of the North, the Northern teams and what spots they need to fill. And uh, on Twitter, I am at the SOTG. Find Weasel at Weasel the SOTG. And Chris at Hydraulic Upright. That's still awesome! <laughs> hydraulic Upright. U-P-R-I-T-E for Upright. Uh, but until next time, everybody, class. I mean, keep hiding the bell from me. Class dismissed. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.